Um, yeah, again, listen, my name is David. Uh, a wonderful, I, by the way, I love, love your pastors, love your lead team here. They are just amazing, aren't they? They're phenomenal leaders at this church and they love so well, Chris, you guys, you guys are just awesome. And, um, it's really good to be with you. My wife, Sunshine, would be with me today, uh, but she's preaching at another church, um, uh, which is awesome. At some point, I'll tell you what it's like, both prepping a message in the same house together. Different messages, different churches. It's awesome. Um, but Sunshine and I, we've been in ministry together for about 27 years now. Um, married in Southern California. I grew up on the east side of the state, and by east, I don't mean bend. I mean, like, all the way over in La Grande, Oregon. Does anybody know where La Grande is? Does, I always ask that. Like, a couple of people do, because they're like, oh, yeah, I was on my way to somewhere and stopped there. And so we, we were out in La Grande. My wife and I ended up back there. We pastored there for 16 years and then came on um, in this role uh, three years ago, three and a half years ago in the North Pacific District. And now, with the new changes, we're part of the Northwest District, which is Alaska, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, and North Dakota. Yeah. For those of you who have been around Foursquare a lot, you're like, that's a lot like the, what they called the historic Northwest District. And then someone points out, but not Hawaii. <laughs> and I'm like, nope, uh, not in our district. Well, listen, again, good to be with you. We're going to be in the book of John today, John 9, 1 through 41. Um, I'm going to go through this uh, each point. I'm going to read that section of scripture. So I'll kind of be just reading chunks of scripture together today. But um, I know you have been in a series, The Miracles of Jesus. How awesome is this? That, <laughs> that you get to be reminded every week. And I love studying this text and I love just kind of living in it for a while about how the Lord just intersects us in our lives in miraculous ways. And we recognize that the power of God in our lives is really naturally supernatural, right? Right? It's not a special occasion, Jesus. It's not the miracle healing work of Jesus is not just a special occasion thing. The miraculous power of God is not a special occasion thing. That's just every day. In fact, we, and I'll tell a story here in a little bit that's a miraculous healing that took place in our family's life, but I'm also just more and more impressed on a daily basis of the healing miraculous power of Christ. And we need him. We need that work in our lives daily. And we can say, like, if you're in the room and you're like, hey, I know Jesus is my savior, awesome. You have been saved and changed and transformed and healed. And that healing will continue on until the day that you take your last breath and are fully healed and are in the presence of God. Right? I am an ongoing healing work of Jesus. I am an ongoing work of his miraculous power. There are days that I have caution tape around my life. People are like, I should have caution tape. And it's like the, the tape that says, you know, like under construction, yeah. right? There's days it says detour, but that's a whole other thing. All right. So I want to talk today about this scripture about opened eyes. By the way, what a great way. Kids in the room and online. Hi, everybody online. I saw the prize store. I think you guys should work that into the speakers. Like they get a little email that says, here's the deal, speaker. If you can keep the message under this amount of time, we will get you a pass to the prize store. So um, kiddos, I want to go there. Like everybody's like, awesome. That's great. So, well, listen, I want to read um, and, uh, in John chapter nine, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. We're going to talk about opened eyes today. And the first point I want to talk about today is a faith that sees. So John nine, Starting in verse one, this is what it says. 
It's talking about Jesus. It says, as he went along, he saw a blind man, a man born blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi or teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I'm the man. I am. And then, then, how then were your eyes opened, he asked. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes and told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Which is interesting that they would ask the man that had been born blind, that was healed, where's Jesus? Because he's probably gonna be like, I was blind. And I don't know. I don't even know what he looks like. Can you describe him? No. Right? Now, what I find interesting, there's a lot of stuff. There is a ton of stuff in, in this scripture. But I want to talk about the faith that sees. This, this text, this scripture finds Jesus and his disciples. They come across a man. And it's really specific that it says he was a man that was blind since birth. So he's never seen. Now, what's interesting to me, and this is just, well, you can find, by the way, we can always all find ourselves somewhere in a scripture story, right? Too often we read, we're like, I'm going to play the character of Jesus today. I don't often get there. I'm like, find myself as one of the other characters. And sometimes it's not the one that I want to be. But what I love is they walk up and here's these disciples and they look at this man that's been blind since birth and they, they ask their rabbi, their teacher, a theological question. They see a man that's blind and he's begging and they look at him and what comes to their head is, hey, Jesus, whose fault is this? Like, is he blind because his parents were like awful or maybe he did something or like whose fault is his brokenness? How many of you know that we oftentimes look really hard to see whose fault something is? Like whose problem is this? So they see him as a problem, as a conundrum, as, a, as an issue, as something that needs to be solved. And it was understood and it was kind of accepted belief at the time that 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 sin flowed from, you know, like that brokenness would flow, flow from failure. So they were, it wasn't unusual that they would have this thought, but Jesus does what he does and jumps right into the middle of it. And, you know, so they ask these questions. Now, Jesus, what happens is interesting. He doesn't focus on the cause of the man's blindness. He's not looking back to the source of it. He's looking forward to what God will do in the midst of it and in the midst of his suffering. He's not made blind simply to be an object lesson for God. God didn't strike him blind to make him an object lesson. God did not cause his suffering, but he sees his suffering. He was a man, he was born blind, and Jesus is saying, listen, it's not a specific sin that made him blind. He's blind, he was born into a world that is broken. How many of you know the world's broken? Okay, all right, just checking. Everybody's like, really? Okay, just throwing that out. But here in this place, Jesus says, 
we're going to see the works of God displayed. And this idea of displayed, we're gonna see manifest, made real, the incredible good works of God in his life and in the midst of his suffering and in the midst of his brokenness. That's what Jesus is saying about him. We need to see the work of Jesus in the middle of our lives every single day. Oh, a very long time ago now, I can't even, I was, I don't even know how many years, but our daughter was pretty little. So it must've been, it was about uh, probably 13 years ago, maybe. Uh, our daughter was really little, woke up and couldn't walk. She woke up and said, mom, my legs don't work. And so I, I was out, um, okay, I'll just be, I was out hunting. I wasn't even home. I was out in the woods somewhere. And, um, and, my wife went in and, and Sunshine was like, oh, her legs, you know, they must have fallen asleep, right? You're, you know, a little kid. And so she stood her up and she fell down and she stood her up and she fell down and finally realized this is not good. Took her up to the hospital when we were out in La Grande. I got home, rushed up to the hospital and the, the doctor there was testing for reflexes and there were none. And he said, he diagnosed her right there and he nailed it. He said, she has Guillain-Barre. Guillain-Barre is a, it's a, it's a disorder that, um, starts in usually the lower extremities and causes paralysis and slowly moves north. In extreme cases, it moves north and paralyzes the diaphragm. You have to be put on a breathing apparatus. But I didn't realize how bad it was at the time. He goes, Guillain-Barre, and there's really only one way to treat it. And, um, and none of the hospitals anywhere has any of the medication except Le Grand Hospital. And so they gave her some and her body freaked out. We ended up at Dornbecker's and it was just crazy. And here's my little girl in this hospital bed and she cannot walk and she's kind of just lethargic. And this was on a Saturday, you know, we got there and we get to Saturday and we're praying and our church is praying and we wake up Sunday morning and I talked to our, our, uh, my associate pastor and I was like, hey, look, um, we're just here. She's not doing well. That was before first service. And then all of a sudden we're waiting in the, the hospital room. We've been praying, our church was praying and the physical therapist was going to come and, you know, check her out. And they were talking about some of the things they were going to have to do. And she just kind of perks up and says, I'm hungry. And we were like, we'll get you some food, right? Well, so the physical therapist comes and they take her out and they're like, okay, I'm going to try to put you down on the ground just to see. So he's going to hold her and he puts her down. He goes, can you take a step? And she takes off running down the hallway. Okay, so I could go into all the details of it, but it was one of those moments where you're in the hospital and then, and then the, the doctor comes in and they're like, it, well, yep. <laughs> that happened. And I mean, there's, you know, whatever. And so we ended up there like, she's fine. And we, you know, packed her up and ended up taking her home. And it was miraculous and incredible. Only afterwards did we find out that oftentimes with Guillain-Barre, it's years of, of, a couple of years maybe of physical therapy, months or years of recovery. And so we were, we were blown away. It was, it was one of those moments of the intersection of the miraculous work of Jesus in our lives. And I've told that story before and really made it like a main point. And it is something to rejoice over. I am so thankful for his healing in, in my daughter. But here's what I've realized about talking about the miracles of Jesus. We've all heard stories like this and I'm thankful and Jesus still does those today, right? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. I read that somewhere, right? But here's the thing. He also does the miracles within our hearts and our lives on a daily basis of the miraculous healing and restoration and life that we need. And we need that every day. Because Jesus talks about this in here. He says, hey, look, why it's light, we need to do these works, the good works of God. 
while there's time, while we are here, and by the way, if you're, if today's the best day to ever live for Jesus, because if you woke up this morning with breath in your lungs, there's never a better day to say yes to Jesus. Now listen, it's not work that we're gonna come up with. It's his work. It's his good work. That's what Jesus says. He's like, look, he's like, guys, it's not a theological question. He's not a problem. This guy's not a conundrum. He's not an issue to be solved. He's a human being. And he goes, and he was born blind and we're going to see the miracle working of God in his life. And so then Jesus spits, which... You may not find that. I didn't know whether to find it funny or what, but I'm thinking from the perspective of the man who is begging that is blind, that can't see what's happening, but he hears them and he must know that it's Jesus's name because he knows he's the one that healed him. And then he just hears spit. Like, and then Jesus makes mud and puts it on his eyes. By the way, there's, you, everybody has their theological ideas. I don't even know. But I think one of the reasons why Jesus healed in so many different ways is he knew if he did it the same way every time, we would try to write a book about it and be like, this is the exact precise way. Stand here, right hand lifted, left hand extended, little lower, little lower. Didn't work because you didn't do it right, right? So Jesus is like, I'm gonna do it the way that I'm gonna do it. So he spits on the ground, he makes mud, he rubs it on his eyes, mm, and then says, go wash. Now, what I love is this guy's matter of fact, here's the spit, feels the mud, and he goes and washes, right? Now, what happens is, what? He's healed. Jesus says, I'm gonna do this. We see the miracle working power of God. He goes, he does what Jesus tells him to do, and he comes back healed. And the, the effect is amazing. People are absolutely stunned. They're blown away. They're like, whoa, isn't this the guy that we knew that was blind? And he sat here and he begged, which is awesome. And they're, they're blown away. <laughs> then some people are like, nah, that can't be him. Like, that can't be the guy. I mean, because he was blind. And that's like, welcome to the world of the miraculous power of Jesus. Because somebody somewhere is going to be like, that's not real. To the point where the guy has, no, seriously, I'm the guy. Like, that's me. And they're like, something's different about you. Did you like change your hair? And you know, he's like, no, no, I'm the guy who was blind. And, and then they ask him what happened. And what I really appreciate about this guy, and I love this man in this scripture is, he is so matter of fact, precise. What happened? A man named Jesus spit on the ground, made mud, put it on my eyes, told me to go wash. I washed and now I'm healed. I love it. I love that Jesus, by the way, when he sees this man, he doesn't see the problem. He sees the person and he cares for him and he touches him and he heals him. Isn't it interesting? He touched him. You know, he does that a lot in scripture. He touches, like there's scriptures where he touches the leper, he touches the untouchable, he, he brings healing. The miracle is the restored sight, but every miracle and every healing is through the one who first sees us as we really are and loves us where we are and then heals us. You can't, listen, this is Jesus and there's something about this that we can't get past. And I, I'm sure, I think, you know, Chris and I were talking about this before service, you know, the, the fact that, you know, there's, there's been these themes that arise and I don't think some of what I'm gonna say today is gonna, is gonna you're like, hey, we may have heard that before. And I love that because it sounds like God's speaking something to all of us, right? You cannot get past the, 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 the truth of when we're gonna talk about the miracles of Jesus and the healing of Jesus, that Jesus sees people as people. 
He does not look at us as issues. He sees us as individuals and created in the image of God. Those who confess Christ as their savior and those who don't. This man is on a journey of knowing Jesus, but at this point, he is not a follower of Jesus. The healing power of Jesus impacts someone who is not yet, doesn't have a relationship with God. He doesn't, we don't, that doesn't say anything about that. And you see his progression through this story. The miracle working power of Jesus, the healing of Jesus always begins with our savior seeing the people where they are. And what I think is important is that you and I as followers, if you're in the room and you're saying, yeah, I know Jesus, that that's something that should be reflected in us. That we see people, that we never stop seeing people the way that Jesus sees people. I've had a lot of conversations over the years about miracles. You know, we all, I think we all have in many ways, different, different things. Oftentimes when we get to the subject of the miracle working power of Jesus or healing or however, whatever, one of the things that always comes up is how do they happen and when? And, and this is a question often, well, why not more today, right? That, I get that a lot. Like, people, why don't we see that happen as much today as we did back then? I'm gonna propose something this morning. We see fewer miracles because we see fewer people. We don't see people as people. Sometimes we forget to see them as human beings, forget to see them as image bearers of God, as one that Jesus would see and love. And maybe we even in our own hearts put them whether they're worthy of the work of God or not in their lives. I'm going to read this next. I'm going to talk about this next section. And I want you to understand that when I talk about this, I'm not up here speaking about something that I myself have not had to repent before the Lord on. Okay, don't, don't take this about like, oh man, he's talking about us. No, I, mean, I am, I'm talking about us, All right? There's been a lot that's taken place in the last year and a half, two years, right? <laughs> and we see people a lot of times as issues. We can see them as for us or against us. <laughs> we see them as mask wearers or non-mask wearers, vaccinators, non-vaccinators, Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives, people that agree with our ideologies, people that don't agree with our ideologies. We get mad sometimes at them. They don't agree with me. I'm frustrated with them, them. Protoplasmic mass of humanity not an individual human being made in the image of Christ. And we see, we forget about what Jesus did in this scripture where he saw somebody in their brokenness and loved them and healed them. Someone who didn't even confess his name as a savior, who didn't know him as the savior, saw him as somebody in the midst of that and as a person. And I'm gonna tell you right now as people, we have to be willing to see the world not as them and they or not us or my beliefs or ideologies, but as those made in the image of God and one that God loves deeply and wants to intersect with, the power, with his power and his love. I, I, this week I was watching the news and all that's taking place in Afghanistan. And, and, and then I went, I, I think I went on Facebook and I should never, ever go on Facebook. Um, and I'm not railing against, or not up here to rail against social media. It's a, it's a tool. It's like a shovel. You can plant roses with it or smack somebody with it. That's up to you. 
But the reality of it is, as I began to see things, I'm, I'm seeing all of this stuff about like, I can't believe this and because of this and because of this and here's our political this and we should be doing this and this. And I'm just looking at the pictures of the people weeping in the streets and going, hey, wait a minute. Those are, those are people, right? Created in the image of God. And someone's gonna go, well, yeah, but they're not followers of Jesus. Yeah, neither was this guy. It seems to me that Jesus goes to the places where there are people that are broken and hurting, sees them as they are, and then impacts their life. God, we never become people that stop. That stop seeing human beings as image bearers of God, worthy of the love of God. And be open to that. God, would you forgive us where we have been angered by what we see instead of broken? I tell you this again, because I've had to spend time repenting before the Lord of where my views of people have come. When I start hearing them and they sneak into my language, I know there's a problem. We, we need to see broken people. We need to see desperate people. We need to see people that matter to Jesus as he sees them and he cares and he weeps. And the miraculous, by the way, is sourced in the power of the Holy Spirit and is seen in the heart of Jesus. And the miraculous still happens today if we're willing to see the people that need it. And that starts with us because you and I, we need healing can I tell you something? Okay, I can, because I gave me a microphone. Um, I was working on this message this week, and I had and some of you may go, wow, that's not that profound, David. You should probably have arrived at this earlier. But I've been, I, I talk to a lot of people, a lot of pastors, leaders, a lot of people around our area, and, and people are tired. The elasticity is gone in a lot of lives. Just don't have the elasticity to bounce back from things, Right? And I was sitting there going, yeah, Lord, we just need, I've been meditating on some scriptures and stuff. <laughs> and all of a sudden, as I'm looking at this, I went, wait, we need rest. We need to draw close to, we do. We need refreshing. We need renewal and stuff, but we need healing. And all of a sudden, I just sat back in my little chair in my office slash spare room and went, I'm trying to wrap my brain around how we can, with all that has gone on, that it's happened and all of the things that are happening in our lives over the last two years and where are we gonna come with that? And I was like, the Jesus who brings healing to the blind man born blind from birth can probably heal the brokenness in my life that's taken place over the last year and a half. The things that have shattered disappointment, brokenness and pain, I need refreshing, but I need healing, right? I think our nation needs that too. And since our nation is made up of individuals, then let's do this. Heal me first. Start with me. Repentance, brokenness before the Lord. Heal me. Let me see people your way, right? And let's see Jesus continue to do what he does. All right, I'm gonna move on to point number two now. And then there's a third one and then conclusion. So, you know, we still have some space. All right, let me throw this out. Number two, how many of you know, by the way, when a pastor says in conclusion, there's still like, <laughs> there's still like 15 minutes left. Um, it used to be, now I have this very small iPad. The older I get, the larger my technology becomes. But um, uh, this, is actually, this is actually the iPhone 25. This is the new one. It's very tiny, very compact. 
But, but the reality of it is, is it used to be you'd wait till the Bible closed and now you wait till you hear the click until it goes off, which is great. Listen, I wanna go into point two. We're gonna talk here about, we talked about a faith that sees, let's talk about blind religion. So verse 13, it says this. They brought, they, 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 um, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. I love this man. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. And others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about this? It was your eyes that were open. The man replied, he's a prophet? They still did not believe that he had been blind and, and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one that you say was born blind? How is it that now he can now see? If you want to listen, we know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now and who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he's of age, he'll speak for himself. You want to about, talk about throwing somebody under the bus. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That's why his parents said, ask him, he's of age. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. They said, we know this, is a man, this man is a sinner. That phrase, give glory to God, is literally like, you, you better tell the truth now. So he replies, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, I've told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> then they hurled insults at him and said, you're his fellow's disciple. We're the disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered, now, isn't that remarkable? You don't know where he came from. Yet he opened my eyes. And he's, by the way, he's throwing their logic right back in their face right now. He goes, well, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever opened the eyes of a man born blind. If you look back at the Old Testament, there's no recording of someone's sight being restored like that. If this man were not from God, he couldn't do anything. To this, they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Well, that's, that was a service right there. Miracles are amazing things, healings are incredible, but let's just say there's a history of Jesus and, <laughs> and his working, making a mess for those who like neat and tidy religion. Jesus makes a holy mess, really, truly, a holy mess of things. After this man regains his sight, he's brought, we just read this in front of the religious leaders. He was taken to the Pharisees. And this interaction is incredible. You see the journey of this man from, I just know that Jesus healed me to, I think he's a prophet to, hey, I'm gonna count myself as one of his disciples. You wanna join him too? To, he's from God. And part of it is, is because of the contrast of what he experienced with Jesus and what he's experiencing now in front of this group. I mean, I'm telling you, there's some, I think there's a little bit of snarkiness in here because they keep coming back to him. Were you blind? Yes. Were you blind? Yes. Who made you whole? Jesus. Well, Jesus couldn't have done it. Then who made you whole? Jesus. Were you blind? Yes. Finally, that's where he's coming to a place where he's just like, well, here's all I know. I was blind and now I see. 
Like the facts are the facts. And so this is what he is dealing with. And it's an incredible interaction. The more they talk, the more this man begins to see the truth of who Jesus is. So I found myself looking at this and saying, well, what's the difference between the interaction of this man with Jesus and the interaction with this group of religious leaders? Well, we talked about it. The Savior sees us, knows us, loves us, and intersects us. A form of religion will never do that. An observance of the things of God does not personally intersect people. This group of religious leaders didn't see a blind, a man born blind miraculously healed in front of them, in front of them. They actually failed to see and recognize the, the miracles of God that were on display right in front of them. Why? Well, listen, wherever, I think wherever we're gonna settle for a form of religion, and again, when I say religion, I just mean an observance of the things of God that has no personal interaction. We're, oftentimes will lead us from stop seeing people as God does and will stop us from recognizing the work of God in others. We won't see God's work in the lives of others. Religion sees people as out there and there's no interaction. And so we stop recognizing the good work of God that Jesus talks about in the lives of other people. We stop celebrating the goodness of God in others' lives. Do you know where it puts us? We become the defenders of the faith. We're gonna defend what we know. We're gonna defend our beliefs and now you're attacking them so I will not recognize what God's done in you. I can't even start going down that road. Now I'm just, you're, you're, you're a problem. Now they're seeing this guy like a problem that has to be solved. And they're going to become the defenders of what they believe and they're more concerned about getting an answer that aligns with their views than about the person in front of them. The Pharisees started this whole process blind because they didn't see this man as a human being. And then they compounded it by refusing to recognize the work of God in his life. Have you ever had, have you ever had one of those people in your life that when you're talking to them, they, they, they make you feel like you are the only person in the universe? That's a gift, by the way. Like, that's awesome. Have you ever had one of those people like that? Call, we use the term, call out the things of God in your life, the good things they see God doing in you. If you've never had that, that's a beautiful thing where someone goes, they're just talking, they're like, I love this in you. And they're, they're speaking, like I am seeing the things that God's done in your life and I'm calling that out. I'm recognizing them and I'm talking about them and I'm rejoicing in them. That's awesome, right? That is a beautiful thing when we are willing to recognize the work of God in someone's else, someone else's lives. That's not happening here. That does not happen because they're like, I, don't, I can't recognize that this is God's work because it's in align with my thinking and it threatens the, very, the way I see life. So you're a problem. Welcome to God in a box. He fits nicely, only ever agrees with me, neatly packs up so I can take him wherever I go and blesses my direction as I choose it. This man's finally so exasperated, he gets, like I said, a little snarky, challenges him, asking if they want to become followers of Jesus too, meaning something is happening in his heart and their response is to chuck him out. They throw him out. They don't like it. Can't handle it. You know what? They assault him, they malign him, and they throw him out. His freedom and his wholeness did not align with their religious perspectives and legalism. Sometimes we don't see the miraculous because we've stopped looking for it in other people. 
We stop seeing people and we stop looking for the work of God in their lives and the miraculous things that God's doing. Sometimes we stop seeing what God's doing because we stop celebrating his work in others. Sometimes we can become like the Pharisees, addicted to a form of religious experience that just doesn't leave room for anyone or anything other than my way, including God's goodness on display, unless it aligns with my way of doing things, my agenda, and even worse, my personal comfort. Do not violate my comfort. Right? Yeah, that's what I thought. How do we see people today? You know, just question, how do we see people? As we're walking out of here in just a little bit, how do we see people? Do we live in the freedom of faith that God invites us to or have we settled into a role of seeing our faith and seeing that we're positioned where we have to defend it because others are attacking it as opposed to saying, you know what, here's the deal. Jesus lays out this faith. He is the Lord and Savior and this incredible gift of Christianity. And I'm gonna live in the reality of who Jesus is. I'm gonna live in the beauty of that faith. I want God help me see people the way you do. By the way, don't, that is one of those prayers that you don't want to be like, ah, yeah, God, help me see people the way you do. Because that's a messy prayer, right? It's a beautiful prayer, but it's a messy prayer. But stop long enough, and I've had to do this. I've stopped long enough to go, but you see me that way. Man, I've, I've been in the middle, you ever been in the middle of worship songs where you're like, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness and your grace. Thank you for loving me, seeing me where I am, worshiping you. And then you're like, man, but I hate this person. I can't stand them. And it's like, whoop, that, what is going on there? Jesus, you gotta do some work in my heart because those two things don't mesh. And by the way, if there are those places of pain, what do we do? Bring them to Jesus and let him heal them, right? Last thing here, Last point, open, open eyes and open hearts. So Jesus goes, listen to this, verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and when they found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he served the man? Asked, tell me so I may believe in him. Jesus said, you've now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking to you. The man, then the man said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment, I've come into this world so that the blind will see and those who will see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, he wouldn't be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you see, your guilt remains. I love that Jesus comes and finds this man after he's been thrown out. I wonder if the guy was like, wait, I know that voice. Like when Jesus comes up and goes, do you know the son of man? I wonder if he's like, I know that voice. Like, that was the voice I heard right before I got my sight back. And Jesus goes, I'm, I'm him. And his response is awesome. Let's remember the journey back here. I don't even know who Jesus is. I just know his name. I can't even tell you where he is to, I think he's a prophet to, you want to be one of his disciples too, to a worshiper. It's amazing the journey that he goes through just with an encounter with Jesus. By the way, on another note, the encounter with Jesus, he didn't even ask for it. He wasn't someone saying, Jesus, heal me. Jesus went to him. So those areas we hold were like, I don't know what God can do. Trust me, he sees those and can come and bring miraculous things in the midst of those. Jesus, the one who healed him, now asks, do you, do you believe in the son of man? Some translations say the son of God. And this guy's like, I'm new at this whole seeing thing, but you, <laughs> you point him out to me and I will believe. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's me. And he 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 
worships him. I love it. Now, what's interesting, the Pharisees somehow overhear this and they ask Jesus a question. Oh, you're saying we're blind too? Here's what's interesting. They're expecting Jesus to answer them back. Yes, you're blind. But he doesn't say that. He goes a step further and he says, if you were blind, that would have excused your behavior. In other words, if you did not have spiritual insight or didn't claim spiritual insight, there would have been grace for that. However, because you claimed to know and you claimed to know the light and the truth and you still behaved the way you did, that's guilty. Jesus doesn't condemn those who are spiritually blind. He wants to bring light, says that he's the light of the world. His rebuke in this scripture is for those who say they know the truth and still behave like they're blind. To know the light, to know the truth is to have a life that follows that confession. So when we look at this miracle, we see a beautiful story of Christ's love intersecting a man's life and changing it forever. And we see a picture of true blindness with religious arrogance that blinds men to the miraculous work of God. So what is he speaking to us? We need to be people that are walking in healing. So the first thing is, Jesus, heal me. I need healing. Maybe it is physically. Praise God, he is the healer. And I know there are people in here that can pray for that. Or you can simply say, Jesus, I need your healing. It may be, Jesus, I need you to heal my own blindness to people to see them as you see them, not as circumstances, not as issues, not as against or for alignment with my views, but see them that you love them and they are created in your image. That may need to be where the healing is today. Or it may be, okay, yeah, I'm confessing that I know the truth, but I'm living like I'm blind. And I need to be healed so that those things come into alignment. You see, I wrote in my notes last thing, do you need healing today? Do we need healing? Because he sees us, he knows us, he loves us, and he is inviting us to that place of, to experience the miraculous healing just like this man did at every level of our lives. Which, by the way, always first starts with what? That man went on a, a, a journey of hearing about Jesus to, to, to worshiping him. Maybe God's brought you in here today and you're saying, I know about God, but I don't know him personally. I don't have like that, that kind of a relationship. That's open to us today. In fact, I'm gonna have Pastor Chris, would you come on up here? I'm gonna close in prayer and then I know Chris is gonna close us out here. But would you join me? If you're comfortable, there's no pressure, whether you're at home watching or here in the room, if you want to put your hands out in front of you, just in a posture, just to receive. Father, I want to thank you today for your word. And Lord, as we read it, we are so grateful that the miracles that you do in scripture, the miraculous work that takes place, you still do that today. Lord, as we gather in this place, we can think of people outside of here that need your healing touch. And we pray that you would be their healer in Jesus' name. But Lord, for those of us that in here, would you bring healing to us? If there are physical things that need healing, thank you, Lord, that you are the God that still touches our bodies and brings wholeness. Lord, if there is spiritual blindness, Lord, we have lost sight of people as, as you see them. Lord, give us new eyes today. Thank you for the invitation to wholeness, to walk in relationship with you. And Lord, thank you that you are not done working in any one of us with your healing work. 
Thank you for loving us the way you do. Bless each person here, those that are watching online, that we might be people that walk in spiritual sight and in the wholeness that you invite us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.